welcome to the podcast of the real. Ooh, Ooh we're we're through the looking glass. Uh, how far does this rabbit, this this Buster Baxter-sized rabbit hole go? If you listen to the podcast in your left ear, you will wake up tomorrow morning as normal. <laughs> but if you listen to it in your right ear, then you can see how deep the Baxter hole goes. Uh, I, uh, I wish I hadn't called the Baxter hole. I'm sorry, everybody. Mm. This is supposed to be in for all ages podcast. I was just, mm. I was just goofing. I was goofing because he's a rabbit. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm Matrix pilled. I let me tell you something. I don't know if you've heard about this. I, I watched a little indie film this past week. Rewatched a little indie film. You might not have heard of it. It's a little kind of a sleeper hit of the season. It's called uh, The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let me tell you, that is a one humdinger of a movie. Is this new? What, what do you mean? Have Have I is, seen The Matrix before? Yes. No, I mean like did this? No, did this just come out? Oh, this this movie? Actually, it came yeah. out in 1999. I know. You got lost oh. in the shuffle. It was a big year for movies. Hmm. Uh, but uh, if you haven't already, I would highly recommend uh, checking it out. It's it's pretty, pretty damn sick. I'm not going to lie. It's actually pretty dope. Um, Is there I anybody know... I know? Is there anybody I know in it? No, 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 no. Yeah. No, no, I don't know. No, I don't know. No. I think it's got the guy. Is it like a, think, is it like a is it like a foreign film or something? I, mean, I, I, I don't I, know. I, I think it's got the dad from uh from Boys in the Hood. But besides that, I don't know if there's anybody oh, anybody okay. you would know in it. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, it's it's pretty. Let me tell you something, folks. If you're not ending your movie uh with a Rage Against the Machine song, um, maybe throw that script out and start over. Because now that I've seen The Matrix, I'm like, there's no other way to end a movie, I think. Well, I guess I have to see it now. Welcome, everybody, to Elwood City Limits. It's the episodic Arthur podcast. Uh, my name's Will Young, and Lucas Mancini is my guest. Uh, yes, of co- uh, as, as if you can tell, of course I've seen The Matrix before. I'm actually kind of due for a rewatch. I'll be completely honest with you, Lucas. I'm glad that... Well, okay, so, of course... The Matrix is big right now because they just yep. released that trailer for the new movie. Yep. I, along with many other um, boys of the late 90s and early 2000s, was really into The Matrix for a t- for the time mm-hmm. being, mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. like a period of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was super cool. Um, I, I, I want to do a full series rewatch because I'll be honest with you, I tried to rewatch the matrix a couple of years ago and I got bored halfway through and I like, I was, I was shocked. I was like, I can't believe how much this is not working for me anymore. That's, that's, so, that's insanity to me. Cause I, I watched it just the other night and I was, it was one of those like jumping for joy movies where I get so excited. I start hopping up and down on the couch. Uh, th- it could, it could have been chalked up to like, it might've been a bad viewing experience. Like I might've been tired. I might've been like mm, not in mm, the mood mm. like that, like that can, that can really, so I'm going to, I'm gonna give it. Well, I'm gonna give it one more try. I don't want to commit See, to being a. I don't want to commit to being a Matrix hater, but that's kind of what I might be looking at if yeah. if the next viewing doesn't grab. So me. here's here's my pro tip, uh, kids under eighteen, please cover your ears. Mm. Uh, my pro tip would be to uh, smoke weed uh, <laughs> and then watch the Matrix, um, and that that might ratchet up the enjoyment a little bit. I would say. Um, really see how deep that their rabbit hole goes. You know what I'm saying? Um, take the green pill, if you will. 
I don't smoke weed, Lucas. I eat it. <laughs> well, but, yeah, uh, you'll be taking the green pill. I'm actually I'm watching <laughs> uh, The Matrix Reloaded tonight, and I'm actually really excited because I saw The Matrix Reloaded. The last time I saw that movie was probably when I was 14 years old. Um, yeah. and, and that's a movie that is incredibly divisive. Like, people either hate The Matrix Reloaded or they yeah. think it's, like, kind of an underrated, unsung masterpiece. Um, and so I'm very, very excited to see where I fall because it's essentially going in with fresh eyes. Um, it's interesting to it's interesting to grow up in periods with, like, really fraught um, movies like that. And I say that because – so. Recently, you know, we're just talking about movies right now for a second. Um, a few months ago, I rewatched all of the Star Wars movies, and I know, I know that that's not like a, I know that that's not like a ooh like big deal or something, but like I, it, it, like I wanted to give them all a critically fair shake, and much like you mentioned, Lucas, the uh, the prequels from the two thousands uh, are getting a bit of a critical reappraisal from. Uh, people my age and younger who are just like, hey, yeah. I, like, there's actually quite a bit that I like in these. And so I was like, well, maybe, maybe there is something here. And I watched those prequels again. And no, I hate them. Really <laughs> it's, yeah. but, but of course, but of course, like there's a there was a bit of like programming to kind of overcome there because I grew up during a time when the Star Wars prequels and the Matrix sequels, they were just universally accepted as terrible. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't think the other way. Or else people would think you're nuts. So like the movie ver- version of uh, of Nickelback, where they became like a punching yeah. bag. Like it, it, it became like a punchline first as opposed to and a movie second. Yeah, absolutely. And now we're living in an age where I think generally for better, but also sometimes for worse, you have people... Um, you have more, you have, you have different critical lenses, uh, taking form of traditionally disliked movies. I mean, that's why people, people are really caping these days for like the Super Mario Brothers movie, uh, Mm. and, you know, traditionally considered a very bad movie and same with these Matrix sequels. And so I'm not, like I said, not willing to call myself a Matrix hater yet, but I'm very Matrix, um, ambivalent so when that new trailer came out i gave it a watch and i was uh, it didn't really move the needle for me but i can understand how there are a lot of subsections of people who the matrix means a lot to them the movies of the wachowskis mean a lot to them so i want to try and be fair i want to like so i will be going back to all the matrix movies and i'll be seeing how i feel about them and i'll be keeping an open mind and i'll be and i'll be doing my best i'm not gonna like try to like them i'm not going to try to dislike them i'm just going to see how i feel as a 30 30 plus year old man but lucas i all that to say i'm very happy that you're excited for the matrix in 2021 i'm glad it was a pleasant experience for you it was very that's why i wanted to bring it up i thought it was a very yeah. positive experience uh in your week and that leads to a positive experience in mine i don't know will there's something about leather dusters whether it's underworld blade the matrix i think that look needs to come back the leather dusters and the, the designer sunglasses i'll say this about the star wars prequels this is my star wars prequels hot take is yeah. don't don't worry i still i agree that they are bad movies in fact i think they're quite bad movies but this is the, the lucas band cd hot take of the day is yeah. that a bad movie made by one person uh is still uh more memorable and in my mind has a little bit more merit than a bad movie made by a committee that that is my star wars prequels hot take is that as bad as those uh prequels are 
you sure do remember them a little bit, uh, sure. for better or for yeah. worse. Uh, and there's some certain other movies, let's say pro- perhaps in the same franchise, that I can't say the same for. And I am a person who's capable of changing their minds. Like, during that Star Wars rewatch, actually, this was, like, my third or fourth time watching The Last Jedi. And, like, I finally got it. I was like, oh, oh okay, yeah. I like this now. So, yeah, that, that took a while. That took a long while. So people are capable of changing their minds. Made it ha- might it happen for The Matrix? It could. So anything can happen. So might as well give it a try, eh? I mean, what else am I doing with my life? Um, except hosting this podcast. We're going to be talking about Arthur very soon. Uh, I promise. But in ju- uh, for just a moment, we're going to go over to the Elwood City Limits mailbag, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. And there are two emails that we were sent and that I want to make sure to highlight. The first one is from Lissa, who has been thinking recently about season 16, the first season with Flash animation, and how I reacted to this as a kid. As a child, I never noticed animation changes or voice changes until the change to Flash. This was also the first time I noticed a change in Arthur's voice, and I agree with most that the earlier episodes of Arthur look better. However, I disagree that all of the Flash era is bad, as many I know have said. I fondly remember multiple episodes from season 16 watching as it aired. I still think about some of them, and they stuck with me all the way to now, just like the older episodes, or even episodes I've argued with my sibling about because we had conflicting feelings on how the message is executed. Same with seasons pre-Flash that you and Lucas weren't as hot on. Seasons 5 to 16 in general are episodes I recall the best as they aired the most, so to me, even episodes you guys didn't care for as much, I think of very fondly because of the age I was when I was first watching them. That being said, I think it's a matter of perspective. Upon rewatching, I see that some episodes I loved as a kid weren't as good as I remember, though none I would call bad. But I know kids now would love these episodes similar to how I love them. In the end, I love that as a podcast, you all do try to be fair to the episodes you watch, and I'm excited to see what you all think. Uh, hey, it almost sounds like I planned that, <laughs> the dis- the discussion we had before that. But, uh, yeah, that's what we try to do. It's like I say, um, I guess this is a little bit different, but it's like just because I grew up with it doesn't mean it's good. And just because it came out when I was older doesn't mean it's bad. And I'm not at all accusing anybody of falling to that stereotype, whether with Arthur or movies or whatever. It's just that I know that sometimes it's a trap that w- we can fall into. So it, it, it's I also, try not uh... to. It's also a case where we're watching these episodes in a way that no one ever intended, right? Like, yes, of for, course. For, no one's it, people don't aren't supposed to watch Arthur like it's The Sopranos in linear order <laughs> and like a, and and binge it in a giant like DVD box set, right? But that's very much what me and you are doing. Um, when kids watch TV shows, you know, when you're a little kid watching Clifford the Big Red Dog, you're not talking about like. Oh, you know, the B-plot with T-Bone, they really didn't go anywhere this episode. You're like, oh, it's a dog and it's big and red. And I like the show with the big dog, right? So we're, 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 we're watching, people need to keep in mind, if we don't like an episode, it's okay because we're also not seven-year-olds. Um, and so we're most certainly not the intended audience. But I think the reason that me and you are able to do this show and have so much fun with the show is that Arthur is... Uh, I would say better than 99% of shows intended for that age group. And I'm learning this more and more as we continue to watch other PBS shows on For the Kids. So keep in mind Mm -hmm. that whenever we're critical of an Arthur episode, uh, I am comfortable saying this. I can't speak for Will, but I would go as far as to say that even the Arthur episodes that we're really critical on, I would much rather watch than, say, for instance, an episode of Marvin the Tap Dancing Horse or something like that. 
Of course, and I and I and I agree. We wouldn't have been doing this podcast for long if we thought that Arthur was either bad or nothing special. I'll also add that uh, in the uh, in the saying of of uh, one of my inspirational podcasts, we hate movies. Uh, it's okay to like a movie, or you can adapt that to it's okay to like a TV episode. You know, in case we have an opinion on an episode or just anything that you really like and we don't, like, it's okay to like that. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, a bad person or that we think less of you. We just happen to disagree. This is a completely off topic from the previous point. I've been thinking about how you all feel about the brain. The brain is an interesting character because so often he's written to be an annoying know-it-all, but when he's written right, he could absolutely be in my top 10 Arthur characters. While he's annoying, the show would not be the same without him. My favorite brain subplot is in an episode that we have not covered yet, uh, and Alyssa is looking forward to us doing that. Um... Yeah, I don't know about I don't know about all that. Uh, I think Lucas has kind of swayed me to the anti-brain train. But like <laughs> I said, it's okay if you it's okay if you like him. We just happen to disagree. And there's a lot of seasons for the old brain to get redeemed. Very true. Uh, this one's from Veronica. Been loving all the Arthur content lately. I'm going to throw it back just a bit to Zabuma dudes. Remember that one, Lucas? Mm-mm. I think that's the second most popular family-friendly podcast in Halifax. I live in Durham, North Carolina, which is home to the Duke Lemur Center, where Zabumafu lived before he passed away back in 2014. His real name was Jovian, not Zabumafu, and I'm pretty sure his kids and grandkids still live happily at the center. The center itself focuses on non-invasive research and works on preserving species that are vanishing, so these animals are not being treated badly. Rather, they're being protected, and before the pandemic, you were actually able to visit the center and sometimes interact with the lemurs. I remember when I first looked into it, there was even an option to finger paint with some of the lemurs. They recently started having basic tours again, and I plan on going back once there are options available, because I really, really want to make some artwork with those lemurs. So I just thought you would be both appreciate knowing that Zabumafu was incredibly loved and involved in an awesome program that still continues today. And if you're ever in the area, it's a great place to check out. That is from Veronica Trum. Thank you, Veronica. Uh, always love hearing a little bit of PBS ephemera. Uh, fits in very well with our current Patreon series and with uh, the couple of uh, the, I, I guess you'd say, proof of concept episodes that we did all those years ago on uh, Zabumafu and Cyberchase. Or rather, that that other podcast did. Uh, thank you, everybody, for the emails. ElbitCityLimits at gmail.com. And speaking of our Patreon, uh, that is what we just did uh, last week. We finished off our six-part series on the Bookworm Bunch with the final episode on George Shrinks. Now, you can check out us talking about every episode in the Bookworm Bunch. And we're going to be moving on from that in a little bit. We will let you know what's coming up for the Patreon at the end of the show. Um one more thing before we get into the show itself, and of course, we are going to give the Patreon shoutouts as well, so I'll pull that up, but I want to put it up front here, because I don't, I don't, I'm not 100% clear on the statistics of like when people tune out of the episode, but just in case, uh, Lucas, why don't you let them know how to vote for us to yes. be the best podcast in Halifax, please and thanks. And, and don't worry, folks, it's not a glitch in the Matrix. I know you heard us talk about like, oh, you got to go to this website so we can get nominated. It's, 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 you're not hearing deja vu. This is a different step to the process. So that was getting us through the door, uh, getting us on the short list, if you will, for the Halifax, uh, the best of Halifax Coast Awards which is our uh, alt-weekly here in our the city where we live, Halifax. Um, they do a best of every year, and we are officially up for best podcast. 
So all you have to do is go to vote.thecoast.ca uh, and go to, I think it's in arts and music or music and culture, and scroll down to best podcast and uh, nominate your good friends, uh, Lucas and Will, at Elwood City Limits. They used to say Elmwood City, City Limits, but they've now corrected that typo so graciously. So we are officially Elwood City Limits. Um, and yeah, it would really mean the world to, I could say me at least, and I, I think so will as well, uh, we get a fancy plaque that says our podcast is the best, uh, we get to go to a fancy party, um, and it's actually something that does very much materially affect me and Will's lives, because I put it on my, like, resume and LinkedIn and stuff, that we have a Best of Halifax podcast, so it would really mean the world, uh, especially, you know, if you don't want to donate to the Patreon, that's totally fine, but this is something that's just a little bit of your time, just a little bit to go to vote dot the coast dot ca and vote for Elwood City Limits. Please and thank you. It would indeed mean a lot to us. Um, we've been uh, we we we've been banging this drum for the past three years, and so right around this time of the year is when we uh, bang that drum again. So thank you very much. If you have voted, please consider doing so. And uh, yeah, we'd really appreciate it if you uh, if you could. And uh, thank you. Uh, sorry, I'm full disclosure. I was very distracted looking at something on my phone uh, because I was lining up the patron. Thank you. So yes, vote.thecoats.ca. Thank you. Please consider voting. Let's continue. Uh, thank you. In, di- in addition to everybody who is uh, supporting us on Patreon, we've got a lot of new a new influx of Patreon subscribers, and we are very very grateful to people like. Lauren Rodriguez, Bradley Boy, Sarah, Brian Austin, Jess Coulter, Baby Show Addict, Sydney Long, Kevizard Edits, Valeria, Mason Bishop, Owen, Lee Goldson, Greg Hagai, and let's say Kristen, Kevin Noon, and um, Ian Collis. Ian Collis without the without the drool in my throat. Thank you, everybody. Uh, that's patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits, and we'll let you know what's coming up for the Patreon after we talk about this episode of Arthur. Uh, we're getting long in the tooth here in Season 12, and right now we're going to be talking about Home Sweet Home, which is a Buster episode, as we alluded to. Uh, it starts with Buster seemingly in the heat of something very, a very dodgy situation. He's, he's in the middle of journaling about the enemy. Yeah, he, Buster is like, he's like a, uh, a guy in a Resident Evil game, like, who picks, um, going through some sort of <laughs> zombified transformation as the proper time to start writing in his journal. Uh, you know, it's, it feels like Buster's a few lines away, away from going itchy, tasty. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he seems to be, I mean, it's obvious that Arthur's the quote-unquote enemy that is sneaking up on him, but he does seem to be in quite of a precarious situation. I just spilled. I just spilled tomato soup and then got taken to the basement, and they're gonna drink my blood. <laughs> Resident Evil Eight. I just started playing it yesterday, um, so we don't know exactly what he's talking about. There is the line: "I haven't eaten for two hours, but it feels like 20. And Buster tries to gnaw the eraser off his pencil, and uh, doesn't taste very good. So we'll get informed a little bit about that uh, near the end of the episode. So the matter of this is that Buster is, we start with Buster sleeping over at Arthur's. Buster's going to Camp Meadowcroak once again, which is a throwback all the way to season one. Again, as Lucas, you've mentioned many times, the season with the throwbacks. Um, and Arthur reveals he's actually not going to Meadowcroak this year. He is going to Grandpa Dave's farm, which, and as we find out, all of Buster's other friends aren't going to Camp Meadowcroak either. So he's just going to be on his own. 
And again, a good a good shout out to Grandpa Dave, knowing that even though in his his he's starting to kind of uh, his mind's going, he's getting older, but he still has that farm. And uh, Buster here was doing shadow puppets on the wall, including a lobster eating soup, which I didn't quite see it. Uh, but Bust he tried to ex- he tried to explain it as best he could. I wasn't really seeing it, but fair enough to him. Uh, so Buster really uh, down in the dumps about the fact that he's, he's not going to be able to be going to camp with any of his friends. He imagines, you know, Bitsy says to him, now's a great time to make new friends, which is such a mom thing to say. And Buster has this imagination about the potential new friend he could meet at Camp mm, Meadow Croak, mm. which is this like overgrown, like I'm guessing he's probably like Buster or Binky's age, this kind of like overgrown, smelly pig kid. Yeah. His name is Tug. Uh, oh, which, is it? I missed his name. Yeah, he says his, he's, he talks kind of like a caveman, and he's like, Tug, do this. And, like, uh, you can remember his name is Tug because he's got his classic tea hat. Uh, I was saying that in both his, like, vocal delivery and appearance, I wrote down that Tug is very Seven Little Monsters-esque. He reminded me of, like, one of the titular monsters from Seven Little Monsters. Uh, and I would, yeah, also go I, as far, I would also go as far as to say that Tug is officially the throwaway character of the week. I was fond of Tug. Uh, if nothing else for the uh, unibrow representation. As a proud Italian, you know I got that. I'm rocking that solid unibrow when I don't uh, uh, don't practice a little bit of um, uh, 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 plucking, or if you will. So uh, Tug made me feel seen. Um, I, w- I, w- I want to see more of Tug. Well, you will, at least for a little bit here. Um, he's doing all kinds of gross things. Like, he's apparently superhumanly strong. He rips off the top bunk uh, so that Buster can't use it. He eats Buster's marshmallows on his stick, including the stick, and he also clips his smelly toenails on the bed. You're right. Very Seven Little Monsters-esque, and he does, in a throwback to our recent Patreon episode, he kind of talks like uh, George Shrinks' little brother, like you said. <laughs> Um, uh, before we move on, uh, there's one other part when Buster's like talking to all the other kids about camp. There's one part where Muffy um, actually like throws Buster a bone and is like, "Well, you could come with me to camp Fluffernus. Is it pronounced Fluffernus? Fluffernus? Uh, yeah, like uh, yeah, like Fluffernus or Fluffernus. Fluffernus, which is a camp in Sweden. Um, and we get a quick shot of the pamphlet. And I gotta say, uh, unfortunately, it, it turns out to be cost prohibitive for Buster when he uh, proposes the idea to his mom. I gotta say, Camp Fluffer News does seem kind of awesome. Um, you get to wear yeah, lederhosen. Totally. You're in the you're in the uh, Swiss Alps. Um, I said Sweden earlier, didn't I? I meant Switzerland. Uh, you're in the Swiss Alps, and like, there's just a kid on the front of. This is when I really realized I would want to go to this. There's a kid on the front of the pamphlet, and they just have a full wheel of cheese to themselves. Oh man, good, 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 uh, good looking out. I didn't even notice that, but man, free ch- free cheese? Or well, I guess <laughs> it's not free, but uh, man, sounds good to me. Um. So Buster really doesn't want to go. In fact, when the bus comes for Meadowcroak, he hides in the community garden, which has been a big part of his character for the past couple of seasons. And the tenure of the garden, Fritz, who honestly, I completely forgot about. And I was like, what's this guy's name again? The kind of uh, he convinces Buster to go on the bus. Um, I really like they, they say his name later in the episode. Thank God, because I genuinely didn't remember this guy. Like, I remember the Community Garden episode, but I Fritz just does not stick in my mind at all. Unfortunately, um, I, I also want to make the note here. The Arthur production note. Uh, Buster eventually goes on the bus 
and we get the we win we win cheer like it's it's the it's such the arthur stock cheer do you know what i'm talking about yes yes i i, I know exactly what you're talking about sort of the it's arthur just, equivalent to uh like my leg from spongebob or something like that exactly and it's just not at all appropriate here because it's just like what who wins there's no team here so buster goes to meadow croak and he uh initially meets two new characters who don't know if we'll ever see these guys again but Good to note, uh, Irwin and Sanjeev, who are two uh, young dogs about Buster's age, and they kind of they kind of already have history with each other. They're talking; they have their own secret handshake. They're talking about how other people from their class are at Camp Meadow Croak, and it kind of isolates Buster a little bit, at least uh, to begin with. This was big flashbacks to me of like going to some sort of like camp or function. And, like, not knowing anybody. And then, like, the people you do meet already know people there. And you're like, okay, mm. so I'm just the outsider forever. Thanks. It's and it's true. Like, it's, it's such a, like, it brought me back to it. It's such a horrible feeling. This is a real representation of that. And I'm often someone who, you know, I, I, I try to mitigate this whenever I'm in social situations. Like, if I'm hanging out with uh, two friends and, and I know both the friends, but they don't know each other. I try to avoid this sort of behavior that takes place in front of Buster where, you know, it's just a, a, a series of inside jokes and making fun of teachers that Buster has, has no context for. And you, you feel for him because you, you can see how easily it, how easy it is for someone to get left out in a situation like that. Um, I was uh, suspicious, suspicious of, uh, what's his name, Irwin? Um, yeah, from the Irwin. jump, because one of the first things he says to Buster is... Uh, can I have this bug? It's close to the door, and I go to the bathroom a lot. At least he's upfront about that. I True. kind of respected True. that. It's just like normally that would be something that you would kind of keep to yourself, but in this case, he's just like, "Yo, I'm just gonna be real with you. I gotta, I gotta a lot." And just like, you know what? Cool. Like as long as you take take the bottom bunk, that's fine. And Buster wanted the top bunk anyway, which was what he was afraid that Tug would just literally rip it off the hinges. Um. Later on, uh, Irwin and Sanjeev are talking about their teachers, Mr. Fallon and Mr. Scarborough, uh, which are two guys who worked on Arthur. So uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good inside joke. Buster eventually is able to make friends because of a letter that Fritz sent him. And we get a little bit of an extended flashback sequence as Buster is reading the letter about a big victory that Fritz had when he was a kid at camp that he did in Capture the Flag. And this is like this extended action sequence where like mm. Fritz is nominated to make like a big play for the flag and he finally gets it. It's like this harrowing escape where he like goes down these like rapids and uh, like holds his breath underwater and catches it. It's, you know, uh, pretty cool stuff. And that's how he, he, he was able to make friends at camp. He even sees a kid guarding the flag and it's basically like an old timey version of Tug. Um, who yes. also kind of looks like Anton Chigurh. They give him like the Anton Chigurh haircut. <laughs> that's a really good point yeah with the bangs and everything yeah i didn't yeah. even i didn't even think about that um uh, i, so I that... wonder though is does fritz have fritz has this affectation where in all of his letters to buster and this is when we kind of soon realize what's going on in the opening he always writes like he's writing a letter back home and he's in world war ii um and we know that fritz is you know an older character uh, but is this is this stolen valor? Like, is this just kind of like a, a weird eccentricity he has that he always kind of is writing the day back home? Or, like, was he actually in some sort of war? And this is like his way is getting through his PTSD. Like, what's up with Fritz and, and these World War II-esque letters? 
Well, I think that, I mean, because when Buster interacts with them, it's always like, you know, Tan Hut and like yeah. he'll salute him and call him like, you know, general or major or whatever it is. I think the idea is that he is probably a veteran. I don't imagine that Arthur would be getting into stolen valor, especially <laughs> back in like the mid 2000s. So I think it's just to imply that he was in the war, has some military background without talking about the fact that the world wars exist in the Arthur mm, universe, mm. which is kind of crazy. Then we, when then we got to get into some pretty crazy hypotheticals about wh- who would be, what animal would this historical figure be? Uh, let's yeah i'm not i'm not even comfortable completely comfortable with that um so yeah i think the yeah the implication is that fritz has seen action in it to some degree uh so buster reading these letters manages to make friends this way he makes friends around makes friends around the campfire reading it and then we also see a little bit with him with uh erwin and sanjeev where buster makes a what he calls a tomato witch because Fritz sends Buster some fresh tomatoes from the garden. So Buster creates a tomato witch, which is a tomato sandwich with basil, olive oil, and salt, which I'm not even going to ask you, Lucas. I'd eat this. This sounds good. No, I mean, that's basically, you're basically making a bruschetta, but with, uh, with like just regular sandwich bread. You see, Lucas, um, like, uh, not not two weeks after we had to, you know, deal with the the cultural defacement of your people, they're getting they're 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 getting back into your good books with exactly. uh, some authentic it, Italian bruschetta. It's true how short my memory is. Well, again, this isn't authentic because again they're using regular sandwich bread, but That's baby cool. steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 good intention is there, and so they and I think it's Sanjeev who's just like from now on we'll call you chef. So. Again, Buster ingratiating himself a little bit more. Buster comes home. Uh, it doesn't take up as much as the episode of as I thought of like Buster at Camp Meadow Croak without his friends. He comes back home. He had a good time at camp. He made new friends, and he goes to tell Fritz. And it turns out Fritz is going to a retirement home. His daughter is helping him look for a retirement home, which means that he won't be able to take care of the community garden as much. He will be there like every month or something, but he won't be seeing Buster as much as he normally does. So to in thanks for sending him the letters that helped him through that hard time, Buster sends Fritz a letter when he's at the retirement home about playing tag with Arthur and his friends. And he does it in the style of, like you said, Fritz kind of writes as if he's uh, home from the war, or ho- sorry, as if he's in the war. So Buster kind of emulates that style a little bit, which takes us back to the beginning when he's talking about, oh, the enemy is closing in on him and all this. Um, the only thing I have to add to this is that I just, I wish we got to know Fritz a little bit more. Mm. This reminds me of when Mr. Morris, like in the April 9th episode, like Mr. Morris has to move away. And it's like, it it, it doesn't mean nothing because we've seen Mr. Morris. We have an idea of his character. Like he was kind of a background guy. And then you do, you could feel some type of way about him moving away. Fritz going to retirement home, like I barely remember this guy. So it kind of doesn't matter to me. It's true. Like I, I, I was like, oh, haven't there been a, a like a handful of episodes that have Fritz in them? But really, it's the Tomato Garden that's been popping up over and over again. Like this has mm-hmm. been kind of a recent development with Buster's character ever since that initial Fritz episode that he runs this Tomato Garden. It's been popping up again and again in the community garden. Um, but Fritz himself hasn't actually had uh, that much of a role in those references. So mm-hmm. you're right. This this was kind of a less big deal 
than it would otherwise. Also because it's it's just kind of a we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here with 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 the reviews, but it's a weird mishmash because this this episode's book ended with these Fritz segments, but the majority of the episode isn't really about him. It's just kind of Buster's adventures at summer camp. Yeah, and as you mentioned, that's kind of how the episode ends. Now, this particular upload, we are returning to a rare segment nowadays, and now a word from us kids. And now, a word from us kids! Ooh, and it's good to be back, Will. I'm not going to say I didn't like uh, postcards from you. Uh, It was at least different and interesting, and I think it was fun to wrestle with, like, how was this produced? Did people just send them tapes and they re-edited them? Or is this like fake tapes that got sent in and they actually had a TV production crew? Um, all those questions were kind of fun to mull over. But I'm glad that the original format is back because I think it just works better for the show. And it's a lot more consistent. And this is and this is a I, I, I think I'm very interested to talk about this with you because this one not so much for the matter of it, but more for, I guess, the context around it. So this word from us kids, we're not exactly sure where it is, but it's kids going to what they call farm school. And essentially what it seems to be is that it's another kind of like day camp situation or actually overnight camp because I think they sleep there. So it might be like a week long thing or something where they're staying at like a local farm and what appears to be like maybe like central or northern United States, like around the Boston or Philly area, probably. Yeah. New and England. they're. Yes. And they're doing like normal farm chores. So like, you know, in the fields and with the livestock and everything. And the only thing I really have to say about this is what an awesome racket this must be. The kids pay you to work on a farm to do your job. If you're the farmer. You're right. I don't know. It's, if it's, it's like the kind of same. Simple. It's the same grift as a you pick. I've never been a big you pick guy. I know it's all the fun, but I just feel like I'm paying to do work. Uh, whenever I do a you pick, but I, I, do you ever go on a farm field trip when you were a kid? Will I always really enjoyed them. Um, I never did a sleepover thing like this, but uh, uh, I've been on many a farm field trip as an elementary school student. If I did, I don't remember it. Um, I, I I feel like I didn't really go to a farm until I was a bit older. So I don't I don't think so. It was never really something like I didn't even think that there were farms around where you and I grew up until much later when I realized that there's a bit more of a rural part of the province. So no, not really. And so I just found this kind of funny, especially because it's like, because it's like an overnight camp or like a several days camp or something guaranteed their, their parents are paying for that. And in the end, it's like, now the kids are saying stuff like, Oh yeah, we're learning where our food comes from and like what, you know, we're learning about different types of vegetables and stuff. But it's just like, yeah, but you kind of like, you're kind of like, 15 like 15 pairs of little hands that can help the farmer with their daily <laughs> chores <laughs> so i don't know I, I i saw the maybe i maybe i kind of my mind reverted to the capitalistic gain of it rather than the uh the communal aspect of you know you know the good part of it of like learning about the food that you eat and like the work that goes into it just like i immediately thought of just like man that's a sick way to make a dollar son <laughs> All right, we're going to dive into the next part of the Arthur episode right after this. 
Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr, it's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new a bi-weekly PBS Kids review show as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review you can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord which me and Will like to post in from time to time and if you want that sweet sweet Elwood City Limits merch check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store you can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you could send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Do you believe in magic? Lucas, do you believe in magic? Uh, uh, yes, I do believe in magic. Really, you do? Uh, yeah, um, for instance, um, uh, you know, 20,000, uh, screaming, uh, Elwood City Limits fans, uh, downloading our podcast, there's something magical about that, and I won't hear otherwise. I see. What about, but what about, like, magicians? In, in in what sense? Like, do I think that they're warlocks and that they're conjuring? They're, well, they're doing some sort of mystic alchemy with, that that are, that kind of transcends our uh, material plane and and our natural laws. Uh, no, so not, it, nece- not necessarily. No, I do not think okay. so. I think it's illusions. <laughs> All right. Okay. The, I just wanted to, to to burrow down into what you mean there because it's like okay, the concept of you know of magic of an ethereal feeling, an unspoken truth that we all kind of subsist on and and our our hopes kind of make real uh is more what you're thinking of rather than the art of as you say illusion that's that's not so much something that you kind of put your hopes and dreams into no no uh the folks uh should go back and do themselves a favor and watch um season one of chris angel mind freak uh it's a really good cultural artifact of like um, if you ever want to make the early 2000s really real, really feel as old as they are, like, oh, you know, we're sometimes in a perpetual state of like, oh, 2004, that was six years ago. That was six years ago. No, it, it really was. 2004 no. really was 16 years ago or 17 years ago. And if you want it to feel all of 17 years ago, watch some episodes of season one of Chris Angel Mind Freak because uh, – they would not put that on TV today. It's insane. Uh, <laughs> it's really, really crazy. Uh, so, yeah. But, hey, uh, I could be wrong. Maybe he's, like, you know, some sort of... Uh, uh, maybe he could shoot, like, Hadoukens out of his hands, and I'm just, like, totally, totally off base. Who knows? 
I definitely don't want to don't want to reopen the is Ryu a wizard argument. So I'll just say that this cold open is actually quite quite brief. It's uh, Arthur putting on a magic show with DW as his assistant, and he says he wants to take a rabbit out of out of his hat, and then eventually he takes Buster out of the hat, who is in fact a rabbit. And this just is all it is. It's kind of like this forty five second setup to the classic Rocky and Bullwinkle. And now here's something we think you'll really like. Mm. So that it's, that it, was I was surprised. It was reminiscent of uh, our Canadian listeners will be familiar with this the the public children's announcement where it's like Mom Aiden cut me in half again like um, <laughs> it, it's the it, it, for for our American listeners it's like this old uh, uh, public service ad on on Canadian television where it was all about like oh like everybody's what's your got a thing? thing yeah what's your thing everybody's got a thing and it, and it showed all these kids and their different hobbies break dancing some kids like fighting with a boat staff one kid just happens to like bugs um and there was one of the kids who was a magician and was doing like magic tricks to his his little brother uh, much to the little brother's chagrin um and so that's what this i found reminiscent of um and if yeah so in, in case in case you're not aware that's kind of something you know that was that was a bit from uh from the rocky and bullwinkle show a classic like probably their best remembered bit where you know watch me pull a rabbit out of this head Oh no, Bullwinkle! And then, and then just and now here's something we think you'll really like, um, you know. So that's what they were trying to do with that. Uh, kids, look up Rocky and Bullwinkle on YouTube, and then, well, I can't tell you how to feel about it. It's it's weird to go back to Rocky and Bullwinkle in 2021. Um, so this episode starts off with Arthur uh showing everybody at school a magic trick. That his grandpa Dave taught him, and it's the pretty basic "Is this your card?" trick. And so Arthur seems to have uh, skill with it to the point that he can make it work without it being too obvious. And everybody's really impressed. But that's about the only trick he knows. Um, the next day at school, Buster comes to school dressed as his new alter ego, the Great Baxterini, and he immediately starts showing up Arthur at the magic tricks he knows. He knows more of them. Uh, he does like the card trick that Arthur did, but he does it with a little bit more flourish. Like he kind of fails at it twice and then is like, look in, look in your back pocket and that's the card. So he's already like a better showman than Arthur. It's kind of like, I actually recently watched The Prestige. It okay. reminds me a bit so of that. The the end of this episode really reminded me. Hold that thought because the end of this episode okay. I found very reminiscent of The Prestige. Okay. <laughs> in 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 this in this in this case it would be uh, Arthur is Christian Bale and uh Buster is Hugh Jackman. So keep that see, keep that in your mind all yeah, you prestige see, for, heads for, out there. So for me I thought when we got to the end of this episode I was like Arthur and Buster are Christian Bale if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's the the prestige origins. Yeah, Arthur's a little annoyed that Buster kind of showed up him as and 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 Buster there was no like you know, there there wasn't really any malice behind what Buster's doing. It's just, and also no, not really much build up either. It's just like, as as far as I remember, it's just like Arthur does the trick, then Buster comes in the next day and does more tricks, and then that's kind of it. Like, there's no is like, this is this the first time we're hearing about Buster's magic hobby? This hasn't popped up before, has it? Because I, I was thinking I back, and and it almost felt a little bit uncharacteristic for Buster. And and hear me out on this, because 
at first glance, it, it makes sense. It's like, okay, Buster tends to have nerdier hobbies. So you can see him being kind of into magic. Um, and Buster's definitely a showman. He likes to be the center of attention. You know, he's very extroverted. But in season, in, in the early seasons, I remember um, one of the big contentious things when Buster went away and came back was that he hated Kresblane, the magician. Um, yeah. and, and everybody was big. They all caught Kresblamania. Um, and that was one of the things where Buster kind of fell alienated to the group was that everybody was way into Kresblane, even though Arthur used to hate Kresblane. Um, so now, I, I, at first I just thought that it was Buster thought the magician was corny, but maybe, you know, it's kind of some sort of inner magician kind of beef where Buster does not respect uh, Chris Blaine, and he's not like a true magician, or he's he's trampling all over the tradition of magic, or what have you. Maybe, in fact, what like while I was watching this episode, I was thinking that like the person it would make sense to be in Buster's shoes would be Sue Ellen because she had that little thing during the short, quick summer where she like worked at Jack's joke shop and Mister Ratburn taught her magic tricks. So mm. that's what I was kind of thinking. I think magic is something that's like, it's one of those like little kid interests that like, I it's, you know, it's like dinosaurs. Like everybody's kind of interested in magic at some point. And uh, you're right. It, it does seem a little bit of out of left field for Buster, but as the episode went on and we'll, we'll talk about it, I kind of, like I kind of got into it. So I, di- I didn't really see it as much so that way. One, th- one thing I'll say is that man, like what was the last time we saw Sue Ellen? Great question. Like two seasons since a Sue Ellen episode. I know. It's like as soon as Jessica Cardos became the voice of Sue Ellen, we haven't had a dedicated Sue Ellen episode in such a long time. So, and again, I'm just like, come on, like use more of your cast here. I'd love, I'd love for this to be Arthur and Sue Ellen, but you know, it's, it's, it's fine what it is. It's just like, that's immediately where my mind went to having, you know, again, watching this show in a way that nobody was ever intended to watch it. Um, The kind of, and again with that, uh, the B-plot of this episode is that D- <laughs> DW is getting ready for her half-birthday party, which I guess trickled down from Prunella to uh, DW. And DW really wants to have a unicorn at her birthday party. Apparently, mom and dad know that it's not, a- of course, it's not actually a unicorn. It's like a guy in town who owns a donkey and puts a plastic cone on his head. So we will return to that in a little bit. Um, Buster is performing publicly outside the school for like all of his classmates, his, his magic act. And Mr. Haney and Mr. Ratburn initially, uh, are coming there to, it seems like they might be trying to stop him, but then he amazes them with his magic. And, uh, Mr. Haney asks Buster to perform for the kindergartners because the magician that they had, uh, lost his rabbit. So, uh, Buster gets excused from class to perform magic for the kindergartners, and Mr. Ratburn says, the rest of you will have a quiz with our old friend Roman. Roman numerals. <laughs> I thought that was, uh, that tickled me a little bit. I was like, that's unironically like a very good joke. Um, also, the magician lost his rabbit, animal hierarchy check. Yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> well, and we, we dipped into it a little bit as well the with the cold open, with Buster being the rabbit in the hat. So where does it end? Where does it begin? God, who knows? So eventually we return to this DW half birthday thing because um, as 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 Arthur kind of is slowly growing more and more jealous of Buster, the <laughs> this is how I wrote in my notes. The donkey cancels on DW's party. Like they literally get a call the day of DW's half birthday and they're just like, 
it, it, you know, the, oh, the guy called me and he said the donkey doesn't yeah. want to do birthdays anymore. It, the, the exact line is the unicorn guy just called. His donkey refuses to do any more kids parties. Where and it's funny when I was thinking about this at first, I was thinking about kind of uh, uh, a a um, what is it quad pedal like a donkey that's on four legs like a regular non sentient donkey with yeah, a, a unicorn a quadru- horn attached a quadruped yeah uh, but now that I see that um, the donkey is exercising his rights as a worker, it's like could this just have been like a guy like <laughs> like a BoJack Horseman type of yeah, like donkey exactly. Man? A real jackass. Um, Buster uh, kind of is in his magician getup, and he decides to he decides to offer to step in as the entertainment. Uh, Buster here, we get a little bit about like we get we get, you know we get a little bit of his act here and there, and with DW he's actually very good. Like this is what really sold me on him as a magician is that he's really good at working a crowd. He has a specific type of charisma and charm because uh, he uh, does he does a trick for DW that involves turning two five dollar bills into a ten dollar bill and then back to two fives. And then he kind of taps the wand on DW's head and says, I bet I can make a smile appear. And I'm like, that is, man, that's that's like a, that's something you learn when you're an adult, Buster. That's really good. Uh, uh, something I really like about is the way that moment ends is uh, we get a shot of Arthur kind of cross-armed, uh, like, scowling at, at kind of Buster's newfound success. And then we get this, like, smash cut of Arthur making the exact same face, sitting on the couch watching uh, a Bionic Bunny episode. And I just thought that was a good transition. It's also worth noting that Buster will work for 25 cents and all the cheese crackers you can spare. So, of course, uh, there's no better deal in town than that. Arthur, as you mentioned, Lucas, is very jealous of Buster's success at this point, and he gets the idea to expose Buster's tricks from an episode that he's watching of Bionic Bunny, which features villains that we haven't seen before, and Mm. I looked them up on the Arthur wiki to make sure I was getting their names right. The villains are Clownface and Punchinello, so they're Uh. like 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 a cat that's a clown and then a guy with like a a crescent moon-shaped head. I'm I'm pretty fond of clown face and the the crescent shaped head guy. Punchinello, uh, yeah. Punchinello, yeah. I I they're downright jokerified. I love that we're kind of now any more any new additions to the uh, Bionic Buddy Rogues Gallery uh, is is welcome as far as I'm concerned. So the conflict that we have here is that, like, in the episode, Clownface is like, we will expose Bionic Bunny's secret identity. And then Arthur's like, right, I will expose Buster's tricks. He has this, like, daydream of Buster on a big stage, and Arthur just spoils how Buster does the trick. And Buster kind of reacts like a Saturday morning villain of just like, oh, rats, he knows my trick. Whereas, like, I was thinking, like, well, Buster's just going to be, like, straight up mad at you like this isn't gonna go the way you think it's gonna go and then arthur steals the credit uh in a very cartoony fashion uh that's how he envisions this going so buster we flash forward to buster at dw's half birthday party um i I, i'm pretty sure like arthur makes it so that pal kind of sabotages buster's act he kind of steals buster's magic wand and this kind of shakes buster's confidence enough where he forgets his act and after a little bit of angel and devil on the shoulder between uh, Bionic Bunny and Clown Face, Arthur decides to clandestinely assist Buster in the act. So he kind of gets up there to, quote unquote, assist him, but kind of whispers the next part of the trick to him. 
And this is like a, it's like a ball and cup trick, which is actually kind of cool to see it in, to see it in play. Uh, this was, this was my go-to trick when I was a little kid. Like I wasn't much for magic. I didn't have a magic kit or what have you, but this was like, I, I, I wonder if I learned it from like an episode of zoom or something, but it was definitely like from TV. I learned this very trick. Um, and this was like my go-to one that I could actually pull off. Though people, let me tell you something about the ball and cup trick, is that uh, the cup removal is kind of the really important part. You got to do that like smooth, sleight of hand style. Uh, And if you're just dropping the cup on the floor, it will make a noise and people will know what's going on. So he he directs him through that. Buster kind of gets his confidence back and they are able to do the trick and everybody is is satisfied and buster and 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 again this is all very one-sided this isn't like buster trying to show up arthur it's just that they both happen to have an interest in uh magic at the same time and later on uh arthur kind of admits that you know i don't know if he admits so much but buster like thanks him for helping and arthur's like i'm sure the great baxterini would have thought of something to which buster says no he wouldn't and i'm him so Buster would have really been sunk without Arthur, and they decide to come to a bit of a compromise in that they decide to make their magic act a double act, and the end of the episode is them doing a, a magic trick for the Tibble twins, which involves, like, Buster, you know, feigning that he's forgotten how to do the trick, and then Arthur kind of finishes up for him. So it's, like, a little bit of a stage act. Like, there's a bit of comedy, and there is a bit of le- legit magic that they're doing, as legit as magic gets, uh, to end the episode there. So here we go. Uh, let's rewind it back to home sweet home. We get we got a lot of Buster focus in this in this uh, story. Not not bad by any stretch, but you know it is a lot of Buster at one time. So uh, Lucas, what did you what did you think about home sweet home? First of all, home sweet home. I, I would say I would say is a hair above average. So it's not like my favorite episode in the world, and it's not even an episode that I'm like super excited about. But I enjoyed watching it, um, and mostly because I thought there's a lot of, like, really funny just straight-up jokes in that episode. Like, um, there's the whole sequence where Buster's picturing his uh, um, going to camp and then, like, Tug tormenting him. And then he says to his mom, like, I don't want to make new friends. They'll have they'll take my marshmallows. Um, there's a part where our, uh, Buster's m- mom is saying, like, don't forget your extra asthma inhalers. Um, there's little lines like his interaction with Fritz where he's like, why are you lying in the tomatoes? Uh, or he's, he's comparing kind of a Buster growing like a plant and then Buster, you know, counters that with maybe a more of a moss person. Um, lots of just like lines I thought were really funny. Um, but besides that, the kind of moment to moment action, I just kind of found very middle of the road. Uh, it's a pretty well-worn concept at this point in Arthur going to camp. Um, we, there's numerous going to camp episodes, I think like three or four at this point. Um, so it's well-worn territory and the kind of one new element is this whole section with Fritz leaving and it feels like it doesn't really have anything to do with the A plot. Like sure, he's kind of writing back to Fritz and Fritz is kind of his confidant during this situation. But besides the bookends of this episode, there's really no relation um and so it felt a little weird uh and and like you said we haven't spent that much time with fritz just far so it rang a little it rung a little hollow in terms of you're not you're not feeling this big emotional uh moment when when he has to go off to a retirement home um but that's you know that sounds like a lot of negative i actually i like i enjoyed the episode it flew by what about yourself will 
I agree with pretty much everything you said. And yeah, to reiterate, it's like, I don't dislike this episode. I just think it's rather average. And that is because I feel like there's a couple of things happening here that don't quite come together as well as they would like. It's like you have the idea of Buster going to camp without his friends, which I think is is interesting enough to make an episode about. But there's very little conflict there. It's like he kind of doesn't make friends at first and then he does because of Fritz. And I know that's how it ties in. But it's also just like, okay, I personally would have been more interested to see like Buster try and make friends and it not and then just kind of make the episode more about that. (laughs) It's also a little unrealistic. Like who who is like at summer camp and like you, you aren't talking to this kid because you have a friend from school and you're saying all these inside jokes. And then this kid's like, you want to see this letter I got from an old man? And you're like, wow, this guy's a cool dude. Yeah, it it really it really was the best way that could have worked out uh, in Buster's case. And then yeah, we we have the thing with with Fritz and the and the garden, which eh, like I'm not saying it comes out of nowhere, but it's also just like, all right, I don't really particularly care about this, especially because I kind of forget who this guy is. Um, but like, I, I I get what they're going for here. It's just funny that Buster and, and with, as I compared this to Mr. Morris, Buster was the one who also had to say goodbye to Mr. Morris. So there's a lot of like men leaving in Buster's life. His dad, Mr. Morris, uh, Fritz, like, can we, can, could this happen to maybe somebody else if it has to happen next time? Um, I don't know. Like I thought, it, I thought it was okay. I thought the new character, Erwin uh, and Sanjeev, I like their designs, and I like kind of seeing new kids. Um, the Tomato Witch intrigues me. I might make that for the Patreon at some point. Uh, yeah, it's it's fine. I don't really have a lot of feelings about it. It's just I feel like it could have been better if we had focused on one thing or the other. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, do you believe in magic? I actually liked quite a bit more. Um, I, 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 I think that it's always cool to see different sides of a character. And with Buster being a magician, it almost gave me a look into like what Buster would be like when he's older. I know we, we I know we joke about that a lot, but he does have like a stage presence that belies his age. He's very good at controlling a crowd, which is a part of Buster's character we don't see a lot. In fact, sometimes he's so like. You mentioned that he is, like, extroverted and whatnot, and sometimes he can kind of get it in his own head, but, I mean, I guess we have seen it before that Buster can be a very good showman. Yeah, not not since his his stand-up comedy career. Yeah, and maybe even the greatest showman. Who's to say? Uh, But Buster, the great Baxterini... Uh, I just found that very interesting. I thought that the whole thing with, like, Arthur getting annoyed and wanting revenge was a little half-baked. Like, I didn't really believe it. But I did like how it came together with them, like, working together. Like, I know you... Like, that's the conflict of the episode, and it's not really much of the conflict, but I like the way it was resolved in them becoming a double act. It's like, both of them are good in their own way. Arthur is good at is seemingly good at the magic tricks, but not very showy. Buster is good at tricks and showy and together they make a very good act. And I don't know. I just kind of thought that was, that was really nice. And it was also nice to think about a time um, when I was a kid of like uh, magic tricks being, being King. There's a, there's a, this has been driving me nuts for many years. There was a toy line that came out when I was very young and it was like, do it yourself, magic tricks. And, you know, it was just like little, 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 little stuff that you would be able to do. And I would show you how to do the trick of like, here's uh, how to make it seem like you 
cut a pencil in half, but really it's fine kind of thing. I don't know. I, I wish I could remember what it was called. Um, but it, it just kind of reminded me of that in a time when, like, you you, you you really thought that magic was magic. You didn't understand the, uh, you know, illusions of it all and kind of stuff. So Well, you can, you can I, relive I like, that that childhood thrill, Will, for the, the, short pri- the small price of, uh, oh, my God, $136.74 on Amazon for the Chris Angel Ultimate Magic Kit. Um which I don't know if this is a reseller or if this is like from Chris Angel himself, but that seems ludicrously expensive. Right. Uh, how about you, Lucas? Um, I very similar thoughts to the first episode. I thought it was, it's one of those episodes where I enjoyed talking about it with you, uh, a little bit more than I enjoyed watching it. Like I thought it was very middling when I was watching it. I I just, for some reason, couldn't get into it. But, uh, in talking about it with you, I've kind of grown to appreciate it in a new light. I will say that uh, I found the subplot with DW, all of those bits extra funny. Um, there's lots of good DW lines where like, for instance, when DW's parents are explaining that it wasn't a unicorn, it was actually a donkey with a cone. Uh, she's like, you're not supposed to tell me that next you're going to tell me leprechauns aren't real. Um, and then all that comedy that ensued when, when the unicorn guy called and I just caught, I conjures up these images of this guy who makes money, uh, off pretending a donkey is a unicorn. And I, something about that situation really tickled me. Um, and I liked the new bionic body bunny villains. Um, uh, I, I liked, um, where does, they're trying to get Bionic Bunny with the new, the powerful radioactive isotope. Um, that yeah, kind of, in, in, in like a pie. Yeah, 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 yeah. That stuff all I thought was really, like, very similar to the first episode where I thought it was a very, very middle of the road episode as a whole, but the jokes really hit. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I thought of it. I found out what it's called. Uh, Magic Works was the name of the toy. This is this has been something I've been trying to figure out for a long time because I remembered the commercial. The, all the commercials were like they would show you how they would show you the trick, and then somebody would be like, "Unbelievable! That's impossible!" And then the kid would be like, "Right, it's magic." So it was called Magic Works. It's like little little tricks that you could do at home. And I think I might have even had one when I was a kid. Uh, anyway, sorry. I just wanted to close that loop. All right. Speaking of closing a loop, we're at the end of our episode of Elwood City Limits here. Um, and we are going to be finishing up season 12 very, very soon. And uh, we are going to be doing that in big, big style because we've got a special episode coming up to the Patreon next week. Now, we just said we just finished a series on For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast. And I decided that before we go back to uh before we go back to um pbs other pbs shows i want to do something that's a lot more topical than we usually do i'm trying to strike more while the iron's hot so for our patrons next week and this is a good reason to join the patreon if you haven't yet lucas and i are going to be watching and giving our thoughts on the new arthur special arthur's first day now i will just classify this by saying this is not going to be a typical ecl review of the show because of course the episode is an hour long and lucas and i talk for easily an hour about a 20 minute episode so i don't think it's necessarily something that we have in our schedules to fully review uh the arthur's first day uh special but i think what we'll do is we'll go through it we'll give our thoughts on it this is going to be something we've never seen before it's brand new everybody's been been kind of watching it and catching up on it we've had some great thoughts in our discord about it and we're going to give our thoughts in kind of uh you know 
not brief, but we're we're not going to go like blow by blow with the episode. Exactly. We're going to talk about the it, it, we're going to talk about the new characters, the new situations, and uh, yeah, we're just going to give our thoughts. Format wise, I expect to be reminiscent of uh, for our Patreon listeners. They'd be familiar with this: the ECL movie reviews, like the Sonic movie, uh, the Monster Hunter movie, uh, the Detective Pikachu. We don't really go blow by blow through the plot. We just kind of give our overall impressions. Exactly. So that's more what we are going to be doing, and we're really, I'm really looking forward to watching this. It's it's going to be really cool, and you're going to be want to want to be on the Patreon for that because, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then we're going to be finishing up Arthur season 12 in two weeks, uh, which means we are going to be talking about the the stories, the perfect game and DW's furry freak out. It can't mean what I think. Surely not. Surely not. Well, you'll have to wait and see, folks. We will have to wait and see. So that's what's coming in the next couple of weeks on Elwood City Limits. Whether you're a patron or not, uh, we hope you enjoy what is to come. And uh, we hope you have a good week with everything that's been going on. And, uh, and, and I mean, if people are interested, I will report back with my feelings on the Matrix when I get to it. Otherwise, I'll just uh, maybe message Lucas about that. It's true. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious, uh, Will. Will you take the red pill or the blue pill? We're going to have to wait and find out. I mean, a great, a great way to find out without, you know, invading a podcast about it like we did is to follow me on Twitter at WillIsAlsoYoung. And while you're at it, follow follow Lucas as well if you, if you want to. Is it at Lucas underscore Mancini? I think so. I think that's the, that's, that's the address. All right. Sounds good to me. Okay. That's the end of Elwood City Limits. Thanks a lot for joining us. And don't forget to vote for us. Vote.thecoast.ca. My name's Will Young. And for Lucas Mancini. What are you doing in those tomatoes? We'll see you next time.